0: My name is Paul, if I haven't met you. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. We are working our way through a sermon series called Gazing at God's Goodness. Uh, and we're looking at different attributes of God's character, a topical sermon series. Uh, we looked at God's compassion. We looked at God's grace. And this morning we're unpacking a little phrase called Slow to Anger. The idea of God being patient or God having a, a long fuse. A uh, Tozer, says this. He says, what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. So the way that you see God, the way that you view God is the most important thing about you. And so the way that you understand God's love and God's grace and God's kindness and God's judgment will actually start to shape you. Uh, who you are, what you believe, and the way that you relate to God. Here, here's the problem. Most Christians most Christians have a view of God that is just slightly better than us. Uh, we kind of view God as though he's a slightly better version of us. And so his compassion is less sporadic than ours. And his forgiveness is a bit less reluctant than ours. And his love is a bit less fickle than ours. And his anger is a bit more controlled than ours. But if you start to think like that, if you bring God down to your level, then you have this containable God and this safe God and this understandable God and this comprehensible God, and your relationship with God will become safe and contained and a bit a bit predictable, Praise God, he's nothing like us. Praise God that, that his forgiveness is nothing like our forgiveness. Praise God that he's so other and so different and so glorious and so awesome and so spectacular. So please don't think that God is a slightly better version of you. Praise God that his forgiveness is nothing like my forgiveness. My forgiveness is a bit reluctant and I hold on to hurts, hold on to grudges, and, and, and subtly make people pay back. But God's forgiveness is full and free and extreme and extravagant. Praise God that his love is nothing like my love, because if I'm honest, my love can be fickle. And I find it easy to love people I like, but the people that I don't like, well, I really struggle to love. But God's love is indiscriminate, it's lavish, it's selfless. What about anger? Praise God that God's anger is nothing like our anger. Because if I'm honest, my anger, it will flare up in a moment. And I can be a bit patient, and then a bit patient, and then suddenly I go, Why did you do that? always do that or maybe that's just me (laughs) if I'm honest my anger flares up because I have been wounded and I have been hurt and someone has done a wrong thing and if I'm honest my anger it can persist and persist and lead to bitterness thank God that his anger is nothing like that God's anger is measured, is consistent, is right, is steady, and that God has a long, 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 long fuse. That's what we're looking at this morning. God is slow to anger. Exodus 34. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness. Do you notice how in between his compassion and his grace and his love and his faithfulness comes his patience, his long fuse, his long suffering, he's slow to anger. In Hebrew, the word slow to anger is just two words. It means long of nostril, long-nosed, long nostrils. And it's so descriptive because You might not realise that, but we we, we can all tell when you are angry because it shows in your face. Because when you're angry, your your forehead scrunches up and you purse your lips and and your nostrils flare, and you you can't control that. When you're angry, your your nostrils naturally flare. And so for God to be long nostrils or long-nosed Please don't think Pinocchio because that was about lying and deception. For God to be long-nosed means that it takes a long, 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 long time for his nostrils to flare. Being long-nosed means that you are relentlessly patient with people who just don't deserve it. That's how God describes himself, relentlessly patient. Now let me be clear, he's not indifferent to sin. He doesn't just sweep sin under the carpet. He he is rightly angry. Of course God is angry at abuse and injustice. Of course God is angry when he sees the poor being marginalised. Of course God is angry when he sees terrorist bombers or when he sees uh, marginalised people being preyed upon. Of course God is angry at all those things. But his anger is measured and it's right, and he chooses, he chooses when and how to pour out and to unleash the full measure of his anger. That's what we'll get today. God is slow to anger. He's not slow. Please don't hear that word slow. It means he's a plodder. You ever been stuck behind someone who's driving 30 kilometers in a 60-kilometer zone? Now, that makes me angry. He's not slow. He's not a plodder. That word slow is not about God's speed. It's about God's patience. It's God waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and giving people lots and lots and lots and lots of time to come back to him and to change their ways. I love this story. A man, true story, a man stopped at this supermarket on his way home to get a few groceries. And this man in the supermarket kept on bumping into the same man doing his shopping, but this other man was a father with a three-year-old in the trolley who was, let's just say, misbehaving slightly. And this three-year-old was begging for some chocolate. Ever had that experience? And the man heard the father say, it's okay, Billy, it'll soon be over. In the second aisle, the, the three-year-old was having a massive temper tantrum, was kicking and screaming, and the father was heard to say, it's okay, Billy, calm down, just stay calm, we're almost done. In the third aisle, he completely lost it, this three-year-old, massive temper tantrum, and the father was saying, Billy, Billy, almost there, we'll be home soon. And I got to check out, and this three-year-old was completely losing it. And the man went up to the father and said, I am so impressed. You have been so patient with little Billy. You've been so patient with little Billy. And the father said, oh, you don't understand. I'm Billy. (laughs) And I'd just been talking to myself saying, come on, Billy. Come on, Billy. You can do this. You can do this. Be patient. We're almost over. And we laugh. But we are that three-year-old having a temper tantrum. Let's be honest, we are like little three-year-olds. We're more, more mature, more sophisticated temper tantrums. But, but we are like little, little kids, like little spoiled brats, taking and taking and taking and taking from God and just grumbling and whinging and complaining all the time and taking him for granted, And God is there saying, it's okay, be patient. Don't unleash your anger. Give them chance to repent. Give them chance to change. Do you ever think of God like that? Giving you the opportunities. Not destroying you, but choosing to discipline you. A longing for you to return to him and to live as his precious children. Sometimes when you see those Parents with those kids, you, you actually want to say to the parents, Come on, come on, just unleash on that child. And then sometimes when you read your Bibles, you feel like, we well, about God, don't you? I mean, the, the people in the Psalms cry out, How long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh Lord, before you judge those wicked people? As, as you look at the violence and look at the evil, you want to cry, God, how much longer will you be patient with these people? Just judge them. Do you ever think that? Come on, God, do something in this world. And as soon as you say that, you're supposed to stop and think, really, is that what I really want for God to unleash his righteous anger right now? Because if I want that, then I'm included in that. I've got two truths about God's patience this morning. Here's the first one. God is patient in our salvation. God is patient in our salvation. God longs for people to repent, not live in rebellion. That's the purpose of his patience. Repentance, not rebellion. That's why he is slow to anger. On the screen is 2 Peter 3. It's talking about the return of Jesus Christ. And and people are scoffing and saying, "Oh, Jesus is not going to come back. He hasn't returned yet. And Peter says says this, the Lord is, is not slow, He's not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. It's not about his speed. No, he is patient. He's long-suffering. He is long-fused with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I I hope you understand that's the heart of God. God's heart is that he doesn't want a single human being to perish. He longs for people to be saved. He longs for people to come to him. His desire is not the death of a sinner. He wants every man, woman, boy and girl to come to Christ. Uh, Don't mishear me. I'm not saying that all people will be saved. But I am saying that the death of Christ, the cross of Christ was, was sufficient for all people, but only effective for those who choose to repent and believe. But God's heart is that he wants salvation. Yet yeah, your sin is horrible to a holy God, and justice cries out that sins be punished, but God delays that punishment, and God gives people time and time and time again to repent. You ever stopped and thought, why hasn't Jesus Christ come back yet? That, that's the question of, of, of 2 bit of 3. Why is it 2,000 plus years, and Jesus Christ has still not come back? Do you ever ask that question? Was it a joke? Was it scaremongering? Is God slow? No, he's slow to anger. That means that God gives people more and more and more and more chance to come to him. And speaking personally, I, I am so, so thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ did not, did not come back in 1989. Because As a 19-year-old, I spent my entire life living without God. I was arrogant. I was proud. I was selfish. I was self sufficient. I thought I knew how to live life. I didn't need God in my life. And if God's patience had run out in 1989, if the Lord Jesus Christ had come back in 1989, I would be in hell. Because I had no relationship with Jesus. I'm so thankful that God's fuse did not run out until 1989. Do you ever stop and think about that, that God has been patient with you, that he gave you time and time and time again to come to Christ? God doesn't punish people quickly. It's not not a a one-off chance to hear the gospel and then get struck off God's list. Isn't that an encouragement? God gives people opportunity after opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus. How slow is God to become angry before he judges a sinner? As slow as he needs to be. That's, that's a picture throughout the Bible. If you, if you know your Bibles, Genesis 6. God looked at his world, and his description of his world in Genesis 6 is, is all these people are full of wickedness. And God had every right just to, to wipe them out there and then. But he waited 120 years. And Noah preached a message of righteousness because God wanted people to repent, but nobody would listen. Or Genesis 15, when God looked at the Canaanites in their idolatry, he had every right just to smite them there and then. But he waited and waited and waited 400 years for those Canaanites to change their ways. But they wouldn't listen. Or remember the book of Exodus, and you've got Pharaoh, who is not a nice man, and he enslaves the Israelites and God raises up Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And God is so patient. Oh, he sends a plague of blood. But Pharaoh wouldn't listen. But God was patient and so he sent a plague of frogs, but Pharaoh still refused and God was patient. He sent a plague of gnats, then flies, and livestock and boils and hail and locusts. And then darkness, because God was so patient and so slow to anger. Have you realized that? That God waited and waited and waited and gave every opportunity for Pharaoh to change his mind. And when finally, finally you could say the patience ran out. And he sent that final plague of the of the, the, the slaying of the firstborn kids. And as God people walked through that Red Sea, only then did God's patience be poured out, his wrath being poured out on those wicked Egyptians. But please don't read that and think that God is constantly angry. He was waiting and waiting and begging and longing for people to turn back to him. Same as Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. We don't like these verses, but it says that God's anger is being revealed. As we sit here in Coombe, God's anger is being revealed slowly and slowly and slowly as God hands people over to their own choices, their own destructive desires. God says, okay, I, I, I don't like this, but okay, if you want to live that way, you live that way, but, but as you live this way, please wake up and think that you need me. That is the purpose of God's patience so that people might return to the Lord. Joel 2, even now declares the Lord, return to me. With all your heart. That, that's the heart of your God, like a patient father pleading, standing, and waiting with the door wide open saying, Come home, come home. Do you remember the parable the of the prodigal son? Do you ever wonder how long the father waited? And I think the answer is every day. Every day, watching that wretched son making stupid choices. Every day watching that wayward son squander everything on prostitutes and parties. Every day watching that son of his making stupid choices. But waiting and waiting and waiting. And when the son finally comes home, he doesn't pour out his anger. He pours out his love and his grace and his forgiveness. That is true of us. When we turn to God, whenever we return, we find a Savior knocking and a God who pardons in abundance. That's why God is slow to anger, because he longs for people to repent. And I want to say, church, that nobody in your life, nobody in your world is beyond salvation. There's nobody in your life that is beyond salvation. God waits for the most extraordinary rebellious people to come home. There's a man in the Bible called Ahab. It was so wicked. 1 Kings 21 says this, it's on the screen. There was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord urged on by Jezebel, his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like the Amorites the Lord drove out before Israel. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes put on sackcloth and fasted. He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he's humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in this day, but I will bring on his house in the days of his son. Even the most wicked, nasty, evil man like Ahab, the Lord brought back to himself. Or... or Remember King Nebuchadnezzar in in the book of Daniel? That that man who built a statue saying, this is, bow down to me, everyone bow down to me. And and God warned him and warned him and warned him and he would not repent. And he he even warned Nebuchadnezzar in 12 months' time, if you don't repent, you're going to be crawling around like an animal. But Nebuchadnezzar was so hard-hearted and so stubborn that God had to strip him of everything, had to strip him of everything, till he came to the point he had nothing, and then he acknowledged that God was God. Romans 2 says, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience? Not realizing that God's kindness intends to lead you to repentance. How about the Apostle Paul? 1 Timothy 1, here's a trustworthy saying. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, says Paul. Yes, he was the worst, a blasphemer, a persecutor, a murderer. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who believe in him and receive eternal life. I, I don't know who is in your life right now that you are thinking is beyond salvation well, God hasn't given up on them yet, has he? God hasn't given up on them yet. So please don't you give up on them. There are people in my life, my own family are not yet believers. After 33 years of me preaching the gospel, they still don't believe. And there's times when I'm sharing the gospel with my family and I'm starting to get frustrated and angry saying, come on, come on, just don't get, don't you get it? And I have to stop and think, no, 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 God has been patient with it. That's just another opportunity and another opportunity. And he might not use me, but he'll use somebody else to bring them to faith. So don't give up on people. And I want to say, don't presume on God's patience. This is a hard thing to say, but there are some people in this church who are stubbornly refusing to believe. And you've been sat here week in, week out, and every single week you hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's like, you just think, no, don't like that. No, don't want that. And maybe you're thinking, oh, look, when I'm older, I'll believe. That's pretty arrogant to presume on God's patience, because who knows when you're going to die? Who knows when you're going to be here next week? Today might be the last day you actually hear the gospel. There are many people who say, "Yeah, I believe, but you're not living the Christian life. You're not actually putting Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and you're testing God's patience." Do so you ever stop and say, "Praise God for His patience in my life"? I don't know when you became a Christian, but all those years beforehand, He was so patient with you. So God's patience in our salvation, God's patience in our sanctification. God disciplines us, not destroys us. That's a truth you've got to cling on to. I think there are three types of parents. There's a parent who always lets their kids get away with absolutely everything, and there's zero control. You don't want that, do you? But equally, you don't want the type of parent who is dictatorial, authoritarian, constantly angry, coming down like a ton of bricks every, every first second. What you want is a parent who is calm, constant, consistent in their discipline, with firmness and with loving devotion, and that is our God. A devoted Father who patiently shapes us into the people that he's created us to be. Uh, maybe it's just me, but I often read my Bible and I think, why are these people so stupid? Why don't they get it? You know, you read of the Israelites who had just been redeemed from slavery and brought through the Red Sea. They've seen God's mighty power. They've seen his provision. And here they are, whinging and complaining and grumbling and thinking, why don't you get it? Or or Numbers 14. Again, God's people have seen his salvation, but they refuse to take God at his word. And God's patience is just about exhausted. It's just about to run out. And then Moses pleaded with God. And he pleaded with God according to God's character. He says, God, you've revealed yourself as slow to anger. Well, please be that. Numbers 14, now may the Lord's strength be displayed just as you have declared. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Verse 19, in accordance with your great love, please forgive the sin of these people. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Or you read about the disciples people who lived with Jesus, saw Jesus, heard Jesus, and you're thinking, they're just so stupid. And then you think, oh no, actually, that's me, that's you. Because we're these children of God with an amazing, patient, heavenly Father who loves and cares for us, and yet every single day we just live in rebellion and we fail to do the right thing and we do all the wrong things. See, it's not that God was slow to anger in your salvation, but he's actually slow to anger every single day that you have breath in your lungs. I've said it before. We're like those wretched dogs that drag their poor owners all over the place. You know, there's people where, the dog walkers, where you've got this person who's just being dragged around by this wretched animal who wants to sniff at all the muck of this world. And that's Us. We're sniffing at all this stuff of this world and we're not living the way that God wants us to live or longs for us to live. And God is patient with us. As we come back to daily confession, I, I do hope you have a, a, a posture of daily confession. It's not that your sins have not been forgiven, but it's good for your soul to come back and say, I've done it again, God. And as you pour yourself out on the mercy and grace of God again and again and again, you just realise how patient he's been with you the day before and today and the next day and every day until he has completed the good work that he began in us. See, sanctification is God's business. And I've learned that often he doesn't transform me or transform people according to my time frame. I can guarantee you'll hear a sermon here in church, and you think, oh, yeah, I've got to go and change that. Oh, that was good. And you walk out of this door, and you completely forget it. Friends, God is patient with me, he's disciplining me like a father who wants me to become more like Christ. And one of the ways that you can tell that you are being disciplined is that you become more like Christ. Colossians 3 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So if we're claiming to be sanctified, it means that we're becoming more like God, and God is compassionate, and God is kind, and God is humble, and God is gentle, and God is patient. God is slow to anger. And so one of the ways where we can tell that God is at work in us is that there is a way that we control our anger. When people irritate us, provoke us, Exasperate us, they wrong us. Our tendency is to fly off the handle, strike back, storm out of the room, go off in a huff. But God's patience, at outworking us by His Holy Spirit, means that we learn to forgive, we are quick to forgive, and we have a long fuse with people. James 1 says this, my dear brothers and sisters. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. One thing that God has been teaching me recently is is that patience means that I don't always have to have the last word. I can let things go. I don't have to correct everything when I've been wronged, I can leave God to be the one who judges not me. I say, "My salvation and my sanctification is all because God is slow to anger. so praise God for that. But I'll finish with this. Please remember that God's patience it will not last forever. It will not last forever what does the Bible say? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek the Lord while he may be found. And as I look at the, the global church today, what I see happening is that in parts of Africa, in parts of Asia, uh, the church is on fire and people are becoming Christians. But, but in Australia, in, in America, in, in the UK, the church is in decline and fewer and fewer people becoming Christians in those countries. Is it perhaps... Is it perhaps that he's fed up with us here in Australia because we've had so many opportunities? There's a freedom here. We have scripture in schools. We have churches on every street corners. There's Bible in That People have heard the gospel and heard the gospel and heard the gospel, but we're so seduced by this world. Don't presume that God's patience is not going to run out here. More than that, God's wrath will one day be unleashed finally, perfectly, in all this righteous, ferocious power, on the day that Jesus Christ returns, on that day of judgment, and God's patience will finally say, enough, enough, enough of this messed up world, let me usher in my new kingdom, my new heavens and new earth, the perfect righteous kingdom, that will be a great and glorious day, won't it? Remember that story? It's one of my favorite stories about the missionary Gregory Fisher who was teaching at Bible College. I I quoted before, but it's so good. He says, what will he say when he shouts? And the question took me by surprise. I, I already found out that West African Bible College students can ask some of the most penetrating questions about minute details of Scripture. Reverend, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16 says that Christ will descend from heaven with a shout. I'd like to know what that shout will be. And I wanted to leave the question unanswered to tell him that we must not go past what scripture has revealed. But then my mind wandered to an encounter that day with a refugee from the Liberia Civil War. The man a high school principal told me how he was apprehended by a two-man death squad, death squad after hours of torture They threatened to kill him. He narrowly escaped, but his two children lost their lives. I saw flashbacks of beggars that I pass each morning on my way to the office. Every day I see how poverty destroys dignity, robs people of the best of what it means to be human. I'm haunted by the vacant eyes of people who have lost all hope in this world. Reverend, you haven't given me an answer. What will he say? The question hadn't gone away. Enough, I said. He'll shout, Enough, when he returns. Look, a surprise opened on the face of the student. What do you mean, enough? Enough suffering. Enough starvation, enough terror, enough death, enough indignity, enough lives trapped in hopelessness, enough sickness, enough disease, enough innocent kids being slaughtered by terrorists, enough dictators causing panic and fear in this world, enough of domestic violence, enough of child abuse, enough of poverty living alongside grotesque, lavish indulgence, enough of debilitating disease and depression and natural disasters, enough, 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 enough. enough. Don't you long for that day? That day when Jesus says, okay, enough. I've been slow to anger, but this is the day. This is the day of a new creation, a new heaven, a new earth, and I will judge all those who don't know me, enough. And that's the tension that you live with. Because you're so thankful that God is slow to anger because if he his anger today upon you, it would be horrific. And yet we still pray, come Lord Jesus, because there must be a day when God's perfect, righteous anger will be poured out once and for all as he ushers in this new kingdom. So God is slow to anger. And for that, we are deeply thankful. Let me pray. I'm going to give you a moment just to thank God for his patience with you. Maybe thank him for all those years when you heard the gospel but refused to believe and he was so patient with you. Maybe thank him for the times when you are stubborn and rebellious and each day you refuse to let him be God of an area of your life and yet he's patient with you. Father, we praise you. We praise you for your long fuse. We we praise you that you are relentlessly patient with us. And yet at the same time, Lord, we do pray, come, Lord Jesus, please come.